Well, good morning, Conduit. Um, it is such an incredible privilege to be here with you this morning and to have this crowd right here gathered on this couch. Um, this is one of our favorite Sundays here at Conduit, as you heard Pastor Corey say not too long ago. Um, we just love it because it gives us a chance to bring some glory up to God in this house, if you know what I mean. Um, we get to gather all of these individuals um, who many of you know and have relationship with or have walked with during the last year, and they're going to share their stories with you this morning of what God has done in their lives in 2018. And it's pretty cool because you get to hear about some of the redeeming work that Jesus Christ has done right here in Jamestown, right here in this building, right here with the people you know and love. Um, so without further ado, um, I don't have anything important to say this morning. So I want to invite you right into the living room of Conduit, so to speak. And we set this up to look like a living room, and we want to invite you to cozy on up. Go get yourself a warm drink if you would like one, and lean on in with us. Um, lean into the stories of each one of these individuals here on the couch with me. Um, I want to introduce you to, if you don't already know them, the people that are gathered up here. I have Mr. John Staley over here, Matt, Shannon, Billy, Nick and Jen, and Stephanie. Um, it can be a really intimidating thing to be sitting up here on this couch looking out at so many faces. So before we even begin this morning, um, I want to thank each one of you for being so brave and vulnerable with your stories. Um, I know that pouring out the offering of your own story is one of the most sacred things you have. And so each one of these individuals has agreed today to do this on your behalf to pour out the most sacred thing they have um, for the benefit of this body here at Conduit. So thank you to each one of you. Um, let's go ahead and pray for them before we begin. Lord Jesus, thank you for each one of these individuals. Thank you for every person that walked into this building today. We know that it wasn't by accident or coincidence, but that you've brought the people here this morning that need to hear what these people gathered here on this couch have experienced during the last year, the redeeming work that you've done in your life. Father, I pray that this morning that their, that their words would give a resounding echo to the fact that you're not done. Jesus, you're not done with your good work here at Conduit or in our city. You've only just begun, Jesus. Give each one of them clarity and boldness this morning. We pray this in your name. Okay, so um, a few months ago, back in the month of May here at Conduit, um, we had our first ever women's retreat. Can I get a show of hands of how many people here were at our women's retreat back in May? Yeah, so it's like most of the females here. Um, we had a really incredible time during the women's retreat. And one of the things that we did is during one of the sessions, we did this same exact setup. So we set up a living room up here on the stage, and we invited a couple different women to share their stories with all of the women participants that were gathered. And so um, a few hours after the retreat, Shannon, who's sitting right next to me, um, sent me a message. And in that message, she said, you know, 
during the um, women who were sharing their stories today at the retreat, I really felt the Holy Spirit speak to me really clearly that I need to share my story too. So I'm going to start writing it down and I'm going to give it to you. And so um, she did. She began writing and writing and writing. And um, a few months later, she gave me her journal from the retreat. Um, <laughs> it's not full, yeah, I'll, I'll give you some credit there, it's not full. Um, and she gave it to me during the summer, um, and she said, okay, this is my first step, here you go. Um, and so I went home that night, and I started reading through it, um, thinking, you know, I'll finish this another day, um, I'm just going to start glancing at it. And I was so intrigued that I kept reading and reading, and I stayed up late that night. Um, and when I finished it, I said to my husband, this is a storyline that other people need to hear. This story is so refreshing. Because really, Shannon, what your story is, is a story of forgiveness. And um, you might agree with me that in the capital C church, forgiveness is kind of like a not as fun subject, right? Like relational forgiveness to the people who wrong us is kind of a hard subject because it's so stinking hard. It is messy and hard to forgive people that have wronged us. And so um, I was immediately drawn to Shannon's story. And I took this journal and I put it somewhere um, important in my house and thought, you know, I'm going to wait for a really great opportunity to ask Shannon to share this story um, publicly. And so as I began the planning for this service. And the first name I wrote down on my list was Shannon. Shannon needs to share her story. And so um, Shannon... I'm going to ask you to share with everyone what you shared with me in this journal. Is this on? Now it is. Is that better? <laughs> okay. It was scary giving you that story because I knew that you weren't going to ignore it and, <laughs> and that I'd have to do this. Yeah. Um, so my story starts about 21 years ago. And I know, I can see what you guys are thinking. How can that be? Because she's like, what, 27 or something? <laughs> so, why are you guys laughing? <laughs> That's not funny. So anyways, um, I was married at 20 years old to my first husband. And after about seven years of marriage, um, he was unfaithful and asked me for a divorce. And it was, that's hard. I, I had had people say, when you're married, it's like two boards being put together, and when you pull them apart, you're having, you have pieces missing, you know, and there's a lot of hurt and brokenness there. And fast forward about 10 years later, I'm remarried to my husband, we have two beautiful children, and I am coming into Conduit. We had been coming to Conduit pretty much since its inception, we started coming here. So. I am late, which is my MO, and I'm running to get into the children's nursery because they say be here at 9.30, 9.45-ish. I'm about 9.55 when I get here. <laughs> so I'm, I hear Quint say to somebody, um, no one's in there. I said, oh, yeah, I'm right here. Sorry, I'm late. Uh, only to have my ex-husband turn around and hand me his children to go into the, the nursery. And I had just, this is 10 years later, just gotten to the point where I could see him in public and kind of be okay having a simple conversation without that 
anxiety and just, just nerves. And I'm like, okay, telling myself, just be nice, because he's not going to come back, you know? I mean, this is your church. You're, not only did he have to hand his kids off to me, but to my mom and dad, too, who were also in there with me. And I'm like, just be nice. It'll be one Sunday. He'll never come back. Well, he did. <laughs> he came back for a long time, months and months and months. And I was like, I had those, all those raw emotions that you feel when you're going through a divorce um, every Sunday in church. And I don't really like to cry in front of people. And I found myself sitting in worship and crying and feeling that tension. Like, I'm sitting there, they're sitting over there. And it was just hard and I didn't understand it because I didn't wish them anything bad. I felt like I had forgiven them. I mean, it'd been 10 years. I just, it wasn't, I don't know. I felt like I was okay. But I also told myself, I can't sit in service like this every Sunday and go home and have my day feel like that. So I decided that I wanted to leave the church, and I stopped coming for probably four months. And during that time, Corey kind of never let me go. He was, he'd text me and ask me, you know, how are you doing? How are things going? And are you going somewhere? And I said, no, you know, I mean, this was, I felt like this was my home, you know, and I just felt like I couldn't do it. But um, he said, well, if you're willing to talk to me, I will, I'll talk to you about it. So I did. I agreed to meet with Corey, and I came in and talked to him and told him the whole ugly truth of everything that happened and just laid it all out there for him okay and Corey said <laughs> after he heard it all I was like he's totally gonna be on my side here <laughs> and he says I think it's an issue of unforgiveness with you <laughs> and have you ever wanted to hurt the messenger well I wanted to hurt the messenger I was like wanting to jump across that table and say, didn't you just hear everything I told you that happened? You know, and he said, you know, I think it's an issue of unforgiveness. And he just laid it out there that you have a piece of your heart that you are not giving to your husband and your children now because you're leaving that closed for that unforgiveness that you have against your ex-husband. And I thought about it, and that to me just spoke so much, like, oh my goodness, I'm not taking anything else away from my husband and children. Um, they don't deserve that. They, I, I want to give them all of me. And that was kind of just it. I decided I'm going to come back. And I was fine. It was, I was fine. And a few months after that, Ben stopped me after the service, and he said, I want to talk to you for a minute. And he said that, um, that my ex-husband and his wife decided to leave our church. And he said, I want you to know that that was for you. And I didn't grasp the gravity of that until I got home and started to think about that. That, my goodness, like, God put me through his refining fire to work out those impurities in me and bring me to a place of forgiveness that he wouldn't have been able to bring me had he not brought me face to face with what I wasn't forgiving. And it was amazing. And I was just, wow, me? Like, I don't do even the right thing half the time. <laughs> and to think that he's, he loves me that much that he was willing to bring me to a better place by having me face something that hurt is awesome. And I said to Katie yesterday in my story, 
forgiveness wasn't about the forgiven, it was about the forgiver. And wow, I mean, it's powerful. It is to, to get to that place and to feel like now, I mean, it's fine. I don't, if I see him in public, I'm fine. I mean, there's absolutely nothing there except feeling okay for them and for ourselves. And I mean, it's truly a blessing to, to actually come to that place of forgiveness. Yeah, when we um, spoke yesterday on the phone and Shannon used that phrase, um, forgiveness for me isn't about the forgiven. It's really just about the forgiver. I was just blown away. I've never heard it said like that before. And that's what compels me so much towards her story is like a lot of the times when we talk about forgiveness, we're talking about the one who was forgiven and what they did wrong instead of, is my mic on? Yeah, okay. Um, instead of the forgiver and the redeeming, liberating work that goes on in a heart that chooses to forgive despite the hurt. So um, I've been reading a lot lately, and one of my favorite authors in her most recent book, um, Jen Hatmaker, said this about forgiveness, and I felt like it was really appropriate after knowing what Shannon was going to share today. She said, while forgiveness might feel like abandoning justice, it actually sets us free. It liberates us from the crushing responsibility to oversee the resolution, which may or may not ever come. It removes any authority another person holds over our wholeness. It steals its power. Surprisingly, it can even bring us to the point where we wish our offender well, where we desire his or her peace too. It gently takes our minds and hearts and attention and brings them back to the present to be with the ones who are here. Forgiveness gives us back our life and gives us, us back to our life. It is holy and hard work that says to God, here is this sad thing. It is all yours to fix or mend or redeem or simply bear witness. I am prying my hands off and freeing them up for other work. So we bury what we wanted and we accept what we have. But then, new life. Rising up from the grave like tender little shoots, so small at first, so fragile. But forgiveness clears the way for new growth even if the other person is completely unrepentant, we can still live. We can still be vibrant. We grow and develop and find beauty again, shoots of hope pushing up through the rubble, and soon enough, when we nurture grace and release instead of anger and resentment, a bloom, an unfolding of life again. So, I know, Shannon, why the Holy Spirit prompted you to share your story that day at the women's retreat. Have you ever heard the phrase, hurt people hurt people? But healed people heal people. And so, Shannon, I believe that today the telling of your story is going to be used to heal other people who are also struggling with unforgiveness. I believe that. So thank you for being vulnerable. You're up. You've got that. Billy, you've also been on a journey of healing this year. Talk to me about what this year has been like for you. Well, <clears throat> it's on. Um, so, it's been an interesting year. Uh, <laughs> where to start? Um, well, going back a little ways, um, I, I lived in Florida for a couple years before coming back to... Um, Jamestown, and uh, when we came back here, and I say we, my family and I came back here, um, we started going to Conduit again, basically just because 
I had noticed on online, on Facebook and stuff, that there were a lot of people going here that I didn't even expect would ever be in church. Um, and they were serving and loving, and it was, it was awesome. So I was like, I know Conduit's doing um, some awesome things. So I wanted to be in that mix. Well, throughout this year, there have been many, many changes. Um, number one being uh, that I am now separated. So you've seen me here um, with a pack of wild children um, by myself, uh, and that is why. Um, my wife and I are not together, and um, so I have the kids you know, on a schedule here and there, and, and you'll see them here with me. Um, so that was like the most major, the most major change. Um, so, you know, there's been all kinds of things that lead off from that financial hardships and um, a lot of spiritual sort of battles um, that have come along with that too. Not necessarily questioning my faith or anything quite to that extent, but maybe questioning, you know, my purpose or, or what God would even want to do, you know, with me in, in my situation or you know, looking at myself in that sort of light. Um, but through everything, I mean, Conduit has been a place and a, a, a place of healing and, and has provided a lot that I have been missing. Family, um, friends, just, just direction. Um, so it's been pretty amazing. Oops, sorry, I don't need that. Um, <laughs> One of the phrases that we use here at Conduit that you saw up on that video a few minutes ago all the time is gospel community. We do life together. And um, knowing you, walking with you through this last year, I would say that gospel community has been a significant factor in 2018 for you when you talk about a place of healing. Um, so can you share with everyone a little bit about what gospel community has looked like or meant to you in the last year? Well, um, gospel community looks like all of you, actually. I mean, it's, I have um, really grown to appreciate more and more just the, the love that is in this place. Um, I have <laughs> at many times just been, you know, I wouldn't say depressed, because that puts a lot of that gives the devil a lot of glory, I think. Um, I've been in a place where, where I have been needing to be around good people. And you, are, you have filled that role, whether you know it or not. Um, a hi, a hug. Um, you know, there's been many examples of, of just hanging out and getting to know people or, um, you know, simple, simple little things that have helped. Uh, during this time, um, I definitely want to want to thank the pastors. Um, they have been so helpful and gracious to me. Um, you know, we've talked. We've you know they they've given me the opportunity to sort of vent or share. Um, so that's that's been really awesome. Um, my worship family here um, has been a huge a huge factor. Um, just being around them and and um you know even though that's been there's been ongoing changes here at conduit throughout this time as well so i think we've all sort of had that feeling of 
um, you know, things being in some sort of upheaval, but through everything, um, you know, just being together, getting to know each other um, has, has definitely helped me a lot um, during this past year. Not to mention, you know, even recently just going to Honduras and, and our, our team. Yeah, that's what I was going to say is that <laughs> during this entire year, what's really cool about Billy, and uh, you know this, if you've been here during 2018, you know this, he has not stopped serving despite the difficulty. He's been up here on stage with the worship team almost every week of this year, um, leading all of us into a place of intimacy and worship with our Father. Um, you saw him at every one of our I Am Loved events this summer and um, during the fall, and he chose to go on the Honduras mission trip this year as well. So I think that there's power in that. I think that serving for a lot of us sometimes is this thing we can get our hands on as a rock to help us see the light through the tunnel. Definitely, definitely. And, you know, like, like you said, it's, it's, it's a distraction in a way, um, but it's also, it's also something that I've, you know, serving has been a way that I have chosen to live outside and away from the, the you know, normal, I guess, reactions that people might have to going through some of these issues. You know, a lot of a lot of us will look at ourselves or look at, you know, inward and, and get depressed and get down and stuff like that. And that happens. I mean, it, I can't say that it hasn't happened. But, um, you know, we, we kind of, I don't know, by serving, I think we make our life count for more than just ourselves. You know, we, we are helping others and we're, we're not letting things affect us, good or bad. Um, you know, we're focusing on others. We're focusing on Jesus. And, and uh, you know, that has helped tremendously. I'm, I'm so thankful that Conduit is a place that, um, you know, we focus so much on, on helping others and, and, and serving and loving like Jesus because that has helped me um, just go through so much. God is making you mighty, but mighty doesn't come pretty. <laughs> There Whoa. is a price. <laughs> I don't mean it like that. Uh, <laughs> clarification. Uh, <laughs> it's true. There's a payoff. There's a payoff if we want to be strong and mighty. And a lot of times that payoff looks like it did for Shannon. It's the price is forgiveness. It's letting go of the hurt and the sorrow and the shame and the why did this happen to me? And choosing to do what she did, forgive the thing that feels really unforgivable, or what Billy's done is, you know what, no matter what, I'm just, I'm moving forward. I see the light at the end of the tunnel, and I'm going to show up, and I'm going to serve my heart out, because I am headed towards that light no matter what. God is making you mighty, but mighty doesn't come pretty. And I believe that there's a couple different people here this morning that need to hear that message. Um, as I was preparing for this time last night, I was really thinking about these two stories um, and thinking, you know what? I believe that the Holy Spirit is going to bring a few individuals into this room this morning that need to hear that mighty doesn't come pretty and that there may be hurt or sorrow or shame or something that you're going through right now that I believe that the, through these two, the Holy Spirit is challenging you to go ahead and take a couple steps forward in forgiveness. 
And so if that's you, I want to stop for just one moment, and I want to pray for you right now. Lord Jesus, I pray for the individual or individuals that you brought into this room this morning that are walking through some hurt or some shame or some sorrow. Father, I pray that the words of um, Shannon and of Billy will be like an arrow to their heart, Jesus. That through your Holy Spirit, it will convict them and free them to take steps forward in both forgiveness and service of others. Holy Spirit, do your liberating work. We trust you. Amen. And I want to encourage you, if you're that person this morning, don't let the day pass today without looking for some counsel. So if that's you, I want to encourage you to connect with either one of these individuals after service or take them up on a cup of coffee some other time. Um, Stephanie, who's up here, was up here on stage with us last year as well for the same stories of conduit service. And, well, um, staff decided that we really want to bring her back up here this year. Um, so she's back up on the stage with us. Um, and there's a couple of reasons for that. The first being, we love you. And the second being, um, we see Jesus in you. And when I say that, I don't mean that in like a casual Proof that Jesus Christ exists and is active and alive today and that his church is plan A for the world, let me give you a name. Stephanie Mon. So, oh, um, yeah. I've known you for just under three years. Um, let me tell you, girl, I've seen some transformation in you in the last three years. Are you all here familiar with the story of Joseph? The younger brother that was sold into slavery by his older brother because of envy. Um, and then he was wrongly accused of adultery and theft and thrown into jail. But whose sequence of bad events was divinely interrupted by God by allowing Joseph to be appointed as advisor to Pharaoh and then given the authority and riches to oversee and Well, it's a great story. You should read up on it. <laughs> Anyways, that's kind of the narrative. I give you the brief. Um, so there's this moment when Joseph's, Joseph's brothers, the same ones that sold him into slavery and began the sequence of really terrible and unfortunate events in Joseph's life, um, they're in a place of need. And so they come to Pharaoh's house to ask for food. Um, and they get down on their knees, and um, here's Joseph, and they don't recognize him. And... Um, Oh, dear. Maybe that's why you've never heard the story. Maybe that's why you've never heard the story of Joseph. Um, anyway, so he gets down. His brothers all gather, and they don't recognize him um, until Joseph says he reveals his identity. And the brothers begin to ask for forgiveness. We've done you so wrong. And Joseph says this line that is just everything. It's everything for that narrative in the Bible, and it's everything, I believe, Steph, for your story. He says in Genesis chapter 50, verse 20, what you meant for evil, God meant for good, to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. Girlfriend, you've had some odds stacked against you in your life, and you shared those with all of us here last year. 
but not everyone who's here today has had the opportunity um, to be here before to hear about that. So would you um, mind resharing some of those today? Um, I lived in Cory, Pennsylvania uh, from, what, 20, maybe 2011 to late 2011, um, 2012 to 2015. Um, in 2015, I met somebody, um, ended up pregnant, and yeah. Um, and in September of 2015, things had been progressively getting terrible, like absolutely horrible between us. Um, his drinking was out of control, and really just, my mother can testify to this, I complained about it to her endlessly. Um, and so in t the end of September, something happened between him and my daughter that made me go, we're done. Like, this is the end. And um, I called my mom later that night after he'd left for work, and I said, can I come sleep on your couch? And can my daughter take over your bedroom? And so uh, she was like, yes, absolutely, no problem, no questions. Um, and... Uh, from that point on, what was supposed to be a week-long stay turned into a year-and-a-half-long stay um, with just thing after thing after thing after thing. Um, I think about the first month we were there, I just kind of came home from work every day and laid on the couch and went to sleep because I just, leaving any relationship sucks, whether it's a good leave or a bad leave, and it just, the whole thing being pregnant, emotional, sucks. And so um, October, by the end of October, I'd cleared up my apartment and had officially moved back to New York. And we went through the process of school and all that jazz and changing jobs back to here and all of that stuff. And um, had... I mean, I'm thankful I had a place to go because a lot of people leave a situation with nowhere to go. You know, I was, I'm so thankful I was able to call my mom and be like, hey, back again, can I come? And um, so, and, and thankful I was received with open arms, like open, you know, like, yes, no problem, no biggie. Um, so we fast forward through 20, in February 2016, had my daughter, um, She's a sheer delight most days. And um, it, 2016 just stunk. Like, it was just a hard year. Um, 2017, I decided, was going to be a better year. 2017, I got my car back. I got a place to live on our, you know, back in a home, on our own, and just decided, you went through 2017. 27, it was hard. There were struggles. But we did it, you know, like, Sometimes you just got to suck it up and do it um, and let go of the bad stuff and focus on the good stuff. Like, you, you really sometimes just have to say, yes, it sucks, pick it up and move on. Um, and in the beginning of 2018, I made a decision that 2018 was going to be my year, and it has been. This has been a fabulous year. I have been surrounded by amazing people at this amazing church, um, I mean, which I only started coming to because in 2015, my mom said, you know, I know you live in Cory, and I know it's a long drive, but 
why don't you try coming here because you really haven't found a place that's for you. Um, and that's how I started coming here is through that situation. And so it's, but 2018 has been fabulous. There's been blessing upon blessing upon blessing upon blessing just poured out over me. Um, and I can honestly end this year saying, this has been my year. And this has been a fabulous year. It's been a great year with great decisions, with, with great people, with great things happening, and great things in the future to come. Um, I see a lot of things happening with the clothing closet happening still. That's top-notch secret right now, but it's coming. Um, there's been relationships bestowed on me that I would have been like, I will never be friends with that person. Um, but have come and been great relationships. Um, so that's, it. this has been a great year. Long story short. Yeah, so the enemy set up some circumstances in your life that were meant to break you. They were meant for evil. They were. Meant to trap you. But girl, he is lost. Yes, Because the Stephanie Mon that I know is a conqueror who has grit and resiliency and who's out to save some lives. I think any of you who know Steph know that she is out to serve and out to help. What God wrote out of the ashes in you, Steph, was meant for good and for the saving of so many lives. And two of those lives, two of those people are your daughters. Your oldest daughter, Maggie, is sitting right up in front listening to all of this, taking it all in. And Maggie, you've made the decision to be baptized today. So, yeah, so big. So talk to me, Steph, about what it's like um, to, to experience this secondhand, to know that Maggie's going to be baptized today, and she's going to grow up rooted in this faith community that is 110% committed to being the wind at her sails. Can I just say that my 11-year-old took it upon herself to decide she was getting baptized. They had no part in this at all. I found out Friday night she was getting baptized, so just so we're clear. Um, I am thrilled to pieces that I have Carol, I have John, I have Benny, I have Corey, I have Cameron to sit here and love on her because she talks about you guys a lot, like a lot. She comes home every Sunday and she says, so Miss Carol, so Mr. John. So, I mean, know that you guys are making a huge impact with every little, hey, how are you, every little hug that you hand out, every little kiss on the cheek that you hand out, that you guys are making a huge impact on these kids, like, especially at this super vulnerable, like, I have no idea who I am age. So, <laughs> like, you guys are making a huge impact, and I mean, I, I am blessed beyond measure to have a huge community of people behind her to be like, you know, kick her in the butt when she's doing it wrong and congratulate her when she's doing it right. Like, I am beyond blessed for that. Yeah. Beyond blessed. Well, we are all going to be standing alongside you today and cheering so loudly and beaming with pride as Maggie gets baptized. Um, and speaking of children... I have another couple here with me on the couch, um, Jen and Nick, and a miracle has happened in their family this year that I am just so excited for you to be able to share this morning with everyone that's gathered here. 
I swear that the news of this has been making me giddy since the month of October, and so I'm um, really excited for this news to be formalized here at Conduit um, and for all of us to be able to partake in this miracle with you. So would you mind formally sharing every, with everyone the good news? Yeah, um, we are officially 20 weeks pregnant, and do <laughs> And we are due um, just a few days before our 10th anniversary, so miracle. I didn't want to cry in the first sentence. Babies are a good reason to cry. Um, for any family, the news of a baby is really breathtaking and exciting. But geez, Louise, I mean it when I say that I have been giddy since the month of October when you first told me about your news. Because this conception, this child that you carry inside is a miracle. It's a promise fulfilled and a testament to the faithfulness of our God. So can you share with everyone gathered here today about the journey that brought you to this child? Yeah, it's, um, it's been a long and painful journey. And uh, it started about four years ago um, when we decided we wanted to have a family. We felt stable enough to do that and bring on a baby that we could love on and support. And... Um, God had different plans, and we didn't know that for a long time. <laughs> um, he, um, after trying for about 13 months, God brought us to Conduit in January of 2016, and at that point, we had been trying for a year to, to conceive, and um, we walk in the doors, and there are a lot of people here that are really good at making babies, and uh, <laughs> so we were, it was a little tough to see. We're like, okay, maybe this is why God brought us to Conduit. Like, maybe we're going to join that pack. Drink you know? the water. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, it didn't rub off in the first, well, it, we thought it did. Uh, we actually found out we were expecting February of 2016, um, but went on to miscarry that baby at six and a half weeks. Um, which was the hardest thing I've physically and emotionally ever had to go through. So um, it was tough, and we kind of jumped right into fertility treatments. Uh, we decided we didn't want to wait another year to see if it would happen again, and we decided um, after a lot of testing that kind of showed nothing that the doctors could pinpoint what was going on or why we couldn't conceive or carry a baby to term um, to pursue in vitro fertilization. So we went through that process, and... When it didn't work, um, a really big depression sat in for me. Um, Nick was kind of a rock. <laughs> he always has been. I I'm so jealous of that, but um, me not so much. And I cried every day for months, and I struggled to get out of bed most days. Sorry. <laughs> Hormones really do suck. <laughs> um, <laughs> and um, and it, was it was a really rough time in our lives. And... Um, our closest friends conceived and stopped inviting us to get-togethers because they were trying to be nice and not put that in front of us and be painful, but I never felt so alone in my entire life, and it was tough. Um, finally, after about, I don't remember how many months of that, it was several months of that, but I decided I didn't want to live like that anymore, and I didn't want to be depressed. I wasn't normally a depressed person. I'm usually pretty happy and bubbly and smiley, and um, I dove into God's word head first, and I just kept looking up the promises. Um, everybody said, oh, God fulfills his promises, and I'm like, well, God never appeared to me like he did Abraham and Sarah and told me we're going to have a baby. Like, I never got that promise, so um, 
I wanted to look at what his promises were. And his promises were an abundant and joyful life and peace uh, with him and that he is always there for you and that you will have trial and tribulation. It's in there. Look it up. Um, <laughs> I found it several times. <laughs> um, but that he's going to get you through it and that he has everything you need to get through it. So um, learning those truths gave me a whole new perspective on life. I started waking up every morning and listing three things at least minimum. Sometimes it was much longer that I was thankful for. And instead of focusing on the one thing that God wouldn't give us or wasn't giving us, I started focusing on everything he did give us because we have been so blessed in our lives um, as a couple and as individuals. Um, and my perspective changed 180 degrees. I mean, just completely turned around. So about a year after that, we decided we were ready for in vitro number two, financially, physically, emotionally, mentally. Um, when that didn't work, instead of depression, we found ourselves surrounded by family and a whole new host of close friends that God had brought into our lives, um, covered in prayer. And there was a peace there. There were many tears shed, lots of sadness still. Um, we couldn't figure out why things that seemed so easy for other people were so hard for us and why it wasn't working, but we knew that God had plans and that his plans were good, and we kept reminding ourselves of that truth. Um, so after that, it took a while to kind of bounce back and get in the groove of things, but we really did not think that we wanted to spend any more time or money or energy on treatments um, since they didn't seem to be working. Um, we found uh, a lot of information through Pastor Cameron and Sherry about fostering to adopt, and we met their amazing, adorable kids, and we decided that that was probably something that we wanted to pursue. So this past September, we actually signed up for the 11-week foster care pro program through Chautauqua County, and the second morning of our, uh, the morning of our second foster care class, we actually found out we were expecting. <laughs> So you have to tell us about that moment, what it was like to finally see a pregnancy test that was positive after so long at such an unexpected time. Um, yeah, it, it was not what you would expect. <laughs> it was not joy and happiness. Um, it was shock and disbelief, and the devil took seconds to bring that fear back in, and I was in tears, not happy tears. I was terrified. Um, I told Nick through a series of sobs that I'm, I'm pregnant, at least that's what the test said, and um, that I can't go through this again. I was so terrified of losing this baby and having to relive another miscarriage, and um, it was terrifying. It really was, and um, it's been a scary pregnancy, not for any other reason than I'm just terrified um, on a daily basis, but everything is healthy. Everything's been going smoothly, so I really, I really can't complain other than there, that fear is there, but um, there's also that promise that whatever God has planned for us and for this baby, he'll be there for us, and he's going to get us through it, and we are so thankful for our conduit family that has been there for us over this past year, especially um, to help get us through this. Yeah, I remember, um, I remember having a similar sensation after our second daughter passed away, and I got pregnant with, um, with our third daughter. I remember that as soon as I saw the pregnancy test, immediate fear sank in. I think I was living in Honduras at the time, but was friends with, um, with Pastor Cameron and Sherry, and I remember sending him a text saying, I can't, I can't do this. I can't do it again. Um, and 
so I know that fear, um, but I love that you're sinking your teeth into the word of God and his promises and the good things that he promises for your family, because that will carry you through. Um, right after you told me the good news in October, I was scrolling on social media, and I saw a post from Beth Moore that I remember sending to you in a text message, um, and I just want to share it again today, and it said, Sarah, after the long-awaited Isaac was born, said, God has made laughter for me. No one wants to need a miracle, but oh, the ridiculous joys of receiving one. Laughter never feels better to a set of lungs than when it belts out a benediction to years of tears. So we absolutely cannot go any further this morning without all of you standing up and extending your arms towards the stage, and we're going to go ahead and pray for this baby. Lord Jesus, we come before you this morning um, hearing these stories of your faithfulness and the way you work out things that are really sorrowful and sad and hard for us, Lord, for our good and for the salvation of others. And Jesus, um, this baby, this baby is a miracle that you conceived, Jesus, that you were present in the making of, that you are present in the development of, even in this very moment. And so, Holy Spirit, we ask that you would perfect the development of this child that Jen carries inside. Lord, you are so gracious and good in witnessing your faithfulness in this child is going to be a sign of promise to all of us. Thank you, Jesus, for your faithfulness and goodness. We pray blessing over this family. We pray for peace, Jesus, that wins out the day over fear. We pray for a safe and healthy second half of pregnancy and a peaceful delivery, Jesus. We cannot wait to welcome this child into this building and into a family and tribe that will cheer this child on for years and years to come. Thank you, Jesus, for your grace and mercy. In your name we pray. Amen. Isn't it so good to hear other people's stories? Um, I'm totally going to go back past time. I can see a clock looking at me that's uh, ticking down to zero real fast. Um, but I'm just going to ask that you indulge me because I have two other people that I would like you to hear from this morning. Um, Matt is sitting over in this chair, and he's been pretty quiet this morning. Um, and I want you guys to really look at this young man. He looks so friendly, so humble so ordinary. You rarely ever see him because he's always like sliding in a little bit late, hanging out in the back of the service, or he basically lives in the nursery. So that's kind of a second home. If you don't see him here, that's where he is. Um, so I just want you to know how extraordinary he really is, and that's why we've invited him up onto stage this morning. He is a savvy and kind entrepreneur who has a story to share with us this morning about extraordinary generosity. Matt, can you tell us about 2018 for you and your family and the kingdom partnership that God has invited all of you into? Yeah, so 2019 was an emotional roller coaster for me. 2018, sorry. <laughs> 2018 was an emotional roller coaster for for me um, personally, and it was you know it was good and it was 
bad, and there was lefts, and there was rights, and there was ups, and there was downs. And um, so I own a uh, mobile marketing company here in Jamestown, and um, you know we've been we started it from scratch, and we've been doing it for six years, and. I was kind of getting to a place where, you know, I really needed to, you know, kind of put a lot of the, you know, the, the financial burden on somebody else going forward and, um, you know, wanted to maybe put, take one toe out and step out just a, just a little bit. And, um, and so, you know, I had met another successful entrepreneur in town who um, helps people kind of take those steps. And so, you know, we had talked to you know a couple a couple agencies about trying to sell uh, our business, and um, it was a we we spent pretty much 2018 working on this, and I was trying to understand you know like like at at the core of it why do I want this do I want this for um, you know freedom for the family do I want it to be able to bless other people I mean really like where why really what is the underlying why behind this entire thing. And so, you know, I think that what I learned very early in 2018 was that, you know, my purpose was to become, you know, a financial engine that just pours into God's kingdom. And that's really been, you know, one of two really consistent prayers for me on almost a daily basis. And, um, and was that, you know, God just use me however you need me to do, however you need me so that I can continue to pour in to your kingdom, into conduit, so that we can continue to do the things that we need to do, so that we can, you know, reach our goals to, you know, hit our, hit our seven-year seven mission and all the little pieces that are a part of it, you know? So... Um, I have to pause you for just a second because let that phrase sink in. I'm just like appalled by the language of that phrase and I love it. To be a financial engine for God's kingdom. That is incredible. I love that you said that. It, it, and, and the thing is, is for me, the, like money and church was just, was not a thing. You know, like I, I, those, it was like oil and water for the longest time. And even growing up, you know, in the church that I grew up in, you know, you, the word would get out that they're talking about tithing on Sunday and you'd see the parking lot would be half empty on Sunday, <laughs> you know. And um, so it's just a really sensitive subject. And for me, for the longest time, I couldn't bring myself to tithe at all. And, um, you know, in, in, 2017, you know, I really brought myself to a place um, where I felt like I needed to tithe. And, um, you know, you hear a lot of people say that, hey, you know, there's, that's really a place where you can test God, you know, really, really pour in and see what he measures back under you. And so that's what we started doing. You know, my wife and I, we started, we started tithing, and um, it was funny because you know, I, I had made the decision, I'm going to be, you know, I'm going to be an upstanding Christian here, and I'm going to tithe, and, you know, we started tithing on the net of our income, and every single time I did that, I had this pit in my stomach, and if it was, like, I, I don't think that I've ever had, like, the Holy Spirit say anything clearer to me than, what are you doing? Every single time that we, like, I, I felt guilty every single time that, you know, we would, you know, I'd whip out the conduit app, and I would, you know, do my tithe, and, and, it, it just, you know, I, I sat back and it really started to speak 
volumes to me. Like, why would you give, why does the government get their full cut, but God doesn't get your, you know, your, your first fruits there? And, and it was, it became louder and louder and louder. And um, so we're going through the sale process and, um, you know, we got in touch with some people who were interested and, you know, we signed a letter of intent with them. And we went through a lot of ups and downs and several months of due diligence. And through that process, you know, that, that feeling in my chest got strong enough that I, you know, just, I, I, I remember I was praying in my car, I pulled over and was really thinking strongly about, like, I, I need to make the decision that, and I know that it may sound silly, you know, hey, I'm going to, I'm going to decide to tithe on the gross versus the net but it was really impactful because later that day, the, the deal fell through. And I, I couldn't believe it. I was like, are you, what, how? And so there's like a period. I love this moment. Yeah, because yeah. You, I've heard you share this before. And this moment is just so testifying to how incredible God is. Right. And so it, it, was, it was a struggle for me because I'm thinking, you know, how being more obedient, you know, how does that, how does that, Get me to, yeah, yeah. How does that? How does that set me back? You know, and and so there was, you know, there was a couple of weeks where, you know, I'm trying to understand. Um, I mean, yeah, it's a disappointment, you know, when you're trying to sell anything and it falls through. You know, it's a disappointment. But more importantly, I was just trying to understand what that all means underneath it all. You know, I spent some time. I spent a lot of time talking to Corey about it and and, and just really understanding, you know, what's happening or what could be happening, you know, or, or you know what God's trying to teach me. Um, two weeks later, uh, we kind of got back on our feet. We put the feelers back out. We started talking to some other people, and we ran into a private equity firm that offered us twice as much as the deal that just fell through. <laughs> and so, you know, it so was good. it was amazing. And um, so we had it, it. It just it just didn't seem real, right? And so, you know, we signed another letter of intent. We went through four months of of grueling grueling due diligence and um and there was ups and downs and there was left and rights with that it was a, it was a pretty big emotional roller coaster because there were some days things were looking great and then we'd be hit with bombs that we think might just blow this whole thing up and i got to a place where you know i really just you know i wanted it to happen but i didn't care you know i'm just like if this is supposed to happen then you know it's going to happen it's you know god's will for our life or you know, we're just meant to continue working and doing our thing. But either way, you know, we would keep our heads down and just move forward. And, um, you know, so come the middle of September, um, we finally got green lights all the way across, and we were able to close. And it's been, you know, a blessing for us, but, you know, not because it's a big win, because we were able to sell controlling interest in our business, but more so because, you know, we are now able to truly be that financial engine for, you know, what God's doing, not only here, but in other places. So mm -hmm. it's been, it, it, it's been amazing. And I've always struggled with the whole concept of tithing, right? And I've always, you know, kind of been told here and there that, you know, to challenge that, really give it a shot. And I know that a lot of people don't like to talk about finances. They don't like to talk about tithing. But I don't think it could be any clearer to me that you can give God your first fruits like that and, and, and pour into the kingdom what is due, and you just sit back and watch how much he measures it underneath you. So it was, yeah. it was 
really great experience. That is so good, Matt. Thank you for sharing that with all of us today. I know it's a little sensitive, but I really appreciate it. Um, so last, but certainly not least, I have one of everyone's favorite people um, here up on stage with us, Mr. John Staley. Um, to say that you are a, a permanent and important fixture here at Conduit would be a severe understatement. John, your wisdom, your diligence, your humility, and your love for people have created a space here both at Conduit and our community for incredible impact. Um, as many of you know, last year at about the same time, so during this first, during the same service, Conduit was beginning a new life cycle. Our original founder, Pastor Ben, had resigned and moved on to other labor, and we had some staff changes here at Conduit, and we really we really set out to develop a strategic framework that would best capture the identity and vision of conduit over the next seven years and in doing that we made a decision to create a leadership team kind of like a board of directors or a council that would assist staff in the planning and implementation of vision and life here at conduit in doing so we turned to john and well john i'll let you take the story from there Maureen and I had uh, come from a, a church that uh, we decided we needed to do more outreach. We'd always been uh, going to making disciples type of a couple in our ministry, but um, we we felt we really needed to be a, have a change, and then we came here pretty close to the beginning, and um, and then. Uh, what we really wanted to do was just go and make disciples. We didn't want to do anything else except serve. I was done with leadership uh, things and and uh, oh, commissions the irony of, of God. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and obviously the Lord had uh, different ideas for me. <laughs> and so coming from uh, I, I'm soon going to be seventy. And um, so coming from a church where I was kind of at the average age or even one of the younger ones, you know, <laughs> it was a bit of a change coming to Conduit. And, um, and, and, it's, and it was so different, um, a wonderful difference. But um, it, it does pose um, some different challenges. I have to admit, like the first thing when Katie asked me, the format about this was I'm thinking well um, am I going to be able to sit up here all this time without having to go to the men's room <laughs> so, right Walt you know <laughs> so uh, so uh, you know I, I came into the role of being the old goat and uh, doing doing those things and uh, and, and so it, I also knew that um, as we approached that time, as Katie said, where um, we reorganized, so to speak, I was, um, the Lord thrust me into various roles and, um, and actions and uh, interactions and things. And um, so I, I've said that Conduit really... Um, Although it's been in existence for five years, this is in some ways our first year. Yeah. Our first 
organizational getting together year and um, just at, at a completion of that. And so I want to offer as encouragement to uh, everybody of all the ages um, here uh, because it's such a, a good mixture of ages. Um, but as encouragement, it was just like the, the early church. There was a mixture of ages with the people. And um, with me, um, I, you know, drawing upon Scripture then of my role and whatever at, at uh, this stage, and I, I didn't want to do it, but um, I was thinking back in, in the Old Testament and um, in Joshua chapter 14 in verse 6 um, there's a great showing of an interaction of two old battle buddies Joshua and Caleb and they had started out as young men uh, aggressive young men for the Lord that nobody else wanted to follow and then this these verses now are at uh, a point in time when they're old men and they're 85. And it reads, this is in Joshua uh, 14, chapter uh, 14, verse 6. And then the sons of Judah drew near to Joshua in Gilgal, and Caleb, the son of Jeth, and I'm going to lift a little bit when I say these words here, and uh, the Kenizzites um, said to him, You know the word which the Lord spoke to Moses the man of God concerning you and me at Kadesh, Kadesh Barnea. I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from, uh, to spy out the land. And I brought back, and I brought word back to him as it was in my heart. Nevertheless, my brethren who went up with me made the heart of the people melt with fear. But I followed the Lord my God fully. So Moses swore on that day, saying, Surely the land on which your foot has, tra has trodden will be an inheritance to you and to your children forever, because you have followed the Lord my God fully. Now behold, the Lord has let me live just as he spoke these 45 years from the time that the Lord spoke his word to Moses when Israel walked in the wilderness. And now behold, I am 85 years old today. I am still as strong today as I was in the day of Moses sent me. As my strength was then, so my strength is now for war and for going out and coming in. And then, now then, give me this, the hill country about which the Lord spoke on that day. For you heard me on that day that Abraham, that, that Abraham, that uh, Anakim were there and the great fortified cities. Perhaps the Lord will be with me and I will drive them out as the Lord has spoken. 
So Caleb, at 85 years old, was still ready to rumble, and he was still ready to, to, to fight. And, um, and I, you know, I took that uh, and, and said that, you know, I still, I still got to fight some. And um, so then, um, knowing that um, there would be some sad times and some good times in it, um, that's, that's exactly what happened. But as I uh, have now uh, uh, retired off the board, and uh, it's, it's, the mission was done there, and I um, feel strongly that that's an important thing to do now is to um, pass the torch on and um, not become uh, less active but um, in that role. So I just want everybody to know as I step off that, that um, I know how rumors get flying and <laughs> things, and uh, I'm, I'm still here, still uh, will be here. But it was, it was a great ride and um, doing that, and um, it's, a, it's, it's a refreshing thing to be in a role um, as you get older. And so especially for you folks that um, are entering some of those years and getting older, uh, it's very important that you still crank it up and, <laughs> and that you, uh, you keep, just as, as Caleb did, uh, you stay in the fight. Thank you. I love that. Um, <clears throat> I'm not quite done with you yet, John. <laughs> so as John alluded to, um, when we created this new leadership team, we really turned to him and we asked him to step on as president, so to steer the ship, so to speak, for this past year. And like he mentioned, um, he... You know, he, he stepped in in a season of transition where there was this critical gap and we needed a lot of wisdom and discernment and we needed his leadership. And so John stepped into that so graciously. Thank you so much for holding the line for us. Um, and effective uh, two days from now on New Year's Day, John has officially resigned from our leadership team. So we absolutely cannot let the moment pass right now without first honoring him for his last year of serving as president of our leadership team. So without further ado, I'm going to let Pastor Cameron and Pastor Corey come up on the stage so that we can honor you, John. We have a gift we want to give you. Well, uh, like as Katie shared and as John shared a, a little bit of um, in this this first year of inception of the new team, and um, there was really no one else that we considered or that would fit the task. Um, you know, the, there's a lot a lot that could be said about the about the last year and really about the last you know five or six years of John being here uh, at Conduit. Um, he has been. Um, uh, stable, steady. He has been strong. Um, he has uh, endured and persisted um, to uh, young pastors and um, always been understanding and gentle, but not, not afraid to ever push back. Um, and, uh, and truly, both, both organizationally as a church but also personally, the the last 
year and a half or so would have been impossible without John Staley. Um, absolutely impossible. And, um, and uh, he's, he's, he's resigning off the board for all of the right reasons in, in all of the right ways. And um, just, just that fact alone, um, you know, we, we really want to, we really want to be able to, we really want to honor the example um, that John has set for us all, live up to that example, um, to let him know how much we appreciate and value him. We appreciate and value him so much that we've, um, we've decided to officially adopt a new logo uh, for conduit in John's honor, and um, here it is. So, um, and uh, so. The person that made that shall remain nameless, but is on the stage. You uh, um, uh, <laughs> might be sitting right next to you, John. Um, anyway, but we have, um, besides just our absolute love and affection and appreciation and honor for John, we also... Um, wanted to offer you two um, small tokens of our appreciation as a church. Um, I think you'll know, you'll understand the, the purpose behind this when you open it, and you don't have to do it now, um, but just how you've been um, such a course setter for us, and uh, you've kept us pointed in the right direction and focused on the right things and um, on the right track, and um, we just can't say thank you thank you enough. Um, and so just a, a small gift of, of appreciation from your church family here. Uh, but also, um, this is sort of an inside joke, and I'll let you in as, on as much of it as I possibly can. Um, at the end of service today, um, we have about, oh, I would say roughly 300 um, Klondike bars. You know what a Klondike bar is? Uh, we have about 300 Klondike bars that we would like to share with all of you of all the different flavors and um, orientations that Klondike bars come in. They, they became kind of the unofficial uh, slash official snack of leadership team. And um, I, I've, been, I've been told that, um, I've been told, I don't know for sure, I can either, neither confirm nor deny um, the knowledge of how many Klondike bars were consumed by President Staley in his tenure. Uh, um, uh, because Maureen is not supposed to know um, uh, what, goes, <laughs> what goes on at leadership team stays at leadership team as it pertains to Klondike bars. Um, but um, as a celebration of uh, John's leadership over us and uh, in us, we would like to celebrate with Klondike bars for everyone um, at the end of the service. So um, Vinny and crew will have them out here in the, um, in the foyer. So make sure you grab one or a handful um, in celebration. So John, um, uh, we thank you. Um, we honor you and uh, we we love you we love you
If you are going to be baptized this morning, you can go ahead and go get changed. Um, We are going to be getting ready for baptisms. Bear with me. I got just a moment or two left. Meet Pastor Cameron in the back of the church if you are going to be baptized. Um, So we've mentioned this season of transition that occurred here at Conduit. um, And last year at this same time, as we were kind of beginning that season of transition, Pastor Corey exhorted our body to lean in. He said, don't lean out. This season might be a little bit awkward at times, but good is just around the corner. It is right there on the horizon, so lean in. And last week, he kind of alluded to this during the service, um, but Conduit, you have done just that. You have leaned in with all of your gifts and talents and have poured into gospel community. And because of you, Conduit has now entered a new season of growth. Um, So I just want to thank all of you on behalf of staff and on our leadership team for choosing to lean in to gospel community and God's redemption plan for every man, woman, and child during 2018. Um, I mentioned earlier the story of Joseph. (laughs) about all of the bad things he went through and that God used for his promotion and for the saving of many lives. Um, And you've seen that same narrative today. You've heard it in the stories of each one of the people that have been up on this couch. God has taken great hurt and great sorrow and great shame and tragedy and what the enemy intended for evil in each one of these individuals' lives um, and further destruction God has used for good and for the saving of many lives. So I want to encourage you this morning before we end and and go into um, our closing worship song that whatever sorrow you're going through this morning, whatever hurt has occurred in your life, hear me loud and clear on this. What the enemy and man have intended for evil in your life, God can use for good and for the saving of many lives and for your own promotion. He can heal you. He can bring you into healthy and whole community. He can promote you and he can use you to heal and be part of the saving of many lives. I want you to hear that promise over all of the lies this morning. There is hope. The narrative of your story can be changed too. God is still writing it. And I want to encourage you that if this morning you're listening to these stories and that still small voice of the Holy Spirit is speaking to you just like it did to Shannon saying, it's time for you to share your story. I want to encourage you to reach out to any one of us on staff and to do just that. Because by the sharing of our stories, we free other people to be comfortable with their own. God has a plan for each one of you, and the story he's writing is perfect. Let me go ahead and close us out in prayer this morning. Lord Jesus, thank you for these people that you have gathered in this room We know that your purposes are beyond what we can comprehend in the moment. And Lord Jesus, we know and trust this, that you are making us mighty. 
and that mighty hasn't come pretty, especially during this last year and season of transition. It's been so difficult at times, and it's been uncomfortable, and there have been growing pains. But Lord Jesus, you have been faithful to us. You've been faithful to us um, through the leadership of John Staley. You have been faithful through us to us through the leadership of each one of the people on our leadership team. You have been faithful to us by each one of the people that have formed a part of Conduit during this last year and who have chosen to be part of a story of redemption for their homes, churches, and cities. Your plan is good, Jesus, for every man, woman, and child. We look forward to 2019 and what's just right around the corner that you're inviting us to be part of. Thank you, Jesus. Let this house be a house of praise and glory for you this morning. We praise you for the good work you've done in 2018. There is no one like you. We lift up your name high. Hallelujah, Jesus. Amen.